Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Future is Bilingual podcast. My name is Heather. This is officially episode one of season three, and I'm so excited to get started. I'm officially recording from Quebec, Canada. Bonjour tout le monde. And my guest is also living in Quebec. His name is Tetsu Young, and he is a well-known polyglot and multilingual father. He hosts an event called LangFest, which is a language conference that takes place in Montreal when we're able to meet in person. He's given talks at conferences such as the Polyglot Conference. He has a website, a YouTube channel. He also hosts Raising Multilinguals Live, which takes place on Facebook and YouTube. Every two weeks, they interview a well-known researcher in the field to give us some great tips and advice and knowledge about raising multilingual children. So Tetsu is a wealth of knowledge, and we are going to talk all about his own personal experience growing up multilingual as well as how he's raising his four children in five languages. So you know you're going to get lots of good information in this episode about parenting, about multilingual parenting, the struggles, the good, the bad, the ugly. It's a very fun conversation, so I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm going to let you enjoy the interview, but make sure to check out the links in the show notes because you can find Tetsu in many places. And if you're curious, you can Google Ask Tetsu and you'll find him. T-E-T-S-U. Let's get to the interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Future is Bilingual podcast. This is episode one of season three, and I'm very happy to have Tetsu along with me. So hi, Tetsu. Hello, Heather. What an How's honor. it going? <laughs> Thank you. It's such an honor to actually speak with you because I am such a big fan of all the things that you do and all the work that you do for this community. So please tell my audience who you are in case they don't know who you are. Well, well, well. It's overwhelming. The, the feeling is definitely mutual. <laughs> Thank you. So, so my name is Tetsu Young. I run a, a YouTube channel called Ask Tetsu, and I also have a, a different project uh, called Raising Multilinguals Live with some of the top experts uh, in the field of raising bilingual and multilingual children. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's basically my my big uh, presence in the uh, in the children's, you know, raising bilingual and multilingual children's world, and I also have uh, another sort of side side gig, so to speak, where uh, I myself uh, present myself as a uh, as a multilingual or polyglot in in the world of language learners. So these mm-hmm. uh, polyglots, language aficionados, and uh, mm-hmm. I run this this conference called Langfest uh, that takes place normally every year uh yeah <laughs> in montreal uh the last one that took place was was 2019 mm-hmm. and i've been working with uh with another big conference called polyglot conference with uh richard simcott who's uh, who's also a very big figure in the uh, polyglot yes. world uh since then yeah so and that's where i first met you was the polyglot conference was online in uh, october and that's that was right. the first time that i kind of was got to know everybody in the community. Uh-huh. So yeah, I'm kind of new to this this community, but I really like what you're saying about how we have, especially as parents, we have our own role as, you know, parents of multilingual children. And that's mm-hmm. kind of this whole side thing that we do, focusing on how our children are developing. But then mm-hmm. we also are multilingual, most of All us right. who are raising multilingual mm-hmm. kids. And we have this whole other role as our own polyglot selves or our own multilingual selves. So I think yeah. that's an interesting point. Um, I definitely think as uh, as multilinguals, uh, as polyglots ourselves, having gone through, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, well, grow, either growing up in these different languages or having learned these different languages, does uh, give us a tremendous advantage, uh, head start, so to speak, mm-hmm. in, in terms of how we can raise kids to speak different languages. Um, just, yeah. you know, we, we just got to be careful of the trap of uh you know assuming that kids love languages like like we <laughs> like do, we do. Yeah. yeah that 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 i think that that's just a, a big caveat that i would always put out there just because you love languages doesn't mean your kids automatically will so mm. uh raising kids in different languages uh do do take a different strategy yes uh, at least at the beginning and, that's yeah. a very good point and i think mm-hmm. that's not just for polyglots i think that can happen with any type of parent if they're in love with a sport and they want their child to learn to play that sport and love that it could you know it can happen in many domains but I think that's a very good point because kids can learn to speak multiple languages 
And that's just part of how their life is because they need them, but they might not love them the way that we as, as these polyglots who love studying languages do. So I think that is a really good point. It's, it's uh, definitely a great analogy, I think. Um, and, and, you know, uh, for me, it's, it's sort of firsthand experience with the sports that I love. I mean, mm -hmm. here living in Quebec, I love ice hockey. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm trying to get my kids to play hockey and, and, and skate and all that. Yep. And, you know, they like it. But like is sort of the key word. They don't like love it you know, mm -hmm. the way I did. I, I, I couldn't get enough of hockey. Yeah. I'd be on the ice five, six times a, a week when I was in high school. And I still wow. didn't have enough. But mm -hmm. uh, my kids, it's like, oh, today I don't feel like it. Don't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they that's just an quit. important. Yeah, we just need to take our kids as they are. We can't exactly. expect them to be little versions of us. Th that's, that's so <laughs> Unfortunately. true. That's so yeah. true. But it's such an easy trap to fall into. Oh, for and, sure. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, but it's, it's good to realize that and, yeah. and be conscious of, of the fact that they're not they're not carbon copies. No, that's a great starting point. And mm -hmm. all our little individual children and you have, tell us about your family. How many kids? Who's, what <laughs> so, languages do you speak? All right. So I, okay, let me start with myself. I, uh, I was born in Hong Kong mm -hmm. from a Taiwanese father and a Japanese mother. Um, and uh, well, they met in Hong Kong and I was sort of just came to came to this world in in, in hong kong but mm -hmm. uh that that's pretty much the only connection i have with hong kong as uh -huh. uh, our whole family really just moved back to taiwan when uh before i was before i turned one so i don't okay. remember anything about hong kong just, yeah uh, uh my childhood has been in taiwan and i went to an american school in taiwan so that so in taiwan uh, some of you may know it's that the, the official language is Mandarin. So I, mm -hmm. I always speak Mandarin with everybody uh, on my father's side, the, the relatives on the father's side, friends, neighbors, everything is in, in Mandarin. Mm -hmm. And then my mother being Japanese, I always spoke Japanese with my mother, mm -hmm. uniquely, exclusively. And I went to an American school where I was introduced to the English language. Uh, I think I was six. Uh, wow. So... Did you so have so courses, free... sorry to interrupt, did you have mm -hmm. courses that were also in Mandarin or was all your schooling in English? Yeah, I would say 95, 97% English. We had one hour Mandarin lessons uh, every other day or. Oh. So you didn't, I just can't even imagine, like you're living in a society. So you learned to read Mandarin, I, obviously. Um, or how does that I just feel like you would need more time. Like people talk about the characters being so difficult. Exactly. So here's here's the funny thing. I don't really know why I read Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I have my hypotheses. I didn't. I've never like learned to read actively. Mm -hmm. So at the at the elementary school, I mean, you know, there's just so much you can do in an hour. Uh, per, yeah, it doesn't uh, seem like a lot of time. It's it's not. It's not. And. Um, it's it's I, I think we may have learned the alphabet. I, I, it's it's all very blurry in mm -hmm. my mind. But uh, I do remember a very specific moment when I was probably about five or six, uh, and I had a I had a friend with me, and we for the first time in my life I took a bus on my own with mm -hmm. a friend. Wow. And I needed to read the characters on the bus, the signs to know yeah. where the bus was going and. And so these were, you know, the buses that I take with my my parents every day. So I sort of learned to figure mm -hmm. out which ones. And mm -hmm. I remember being able to read it at, at that point. Wow. Now, there's a there's a, I mean, these are simple characters. I presume, but still, yeah, you know? still. And uh, all the programs in Taiwan have subtitles, so everything is uh, on the screen. Oh. Uh, yeah, yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I began, you know, to recognize the characters through that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, also going to Japan every every summer when I was young, mm -hmm. my parents would send me to Japan to to strengthen my Japanese, to connect with my roots in Japan. Mm -hmm. so, and uh, I remember watching TV all day long, <laughs> and I needed to uh, watch, you know. Go get the program, the the program guides on uh, at on the backside of the newspapers, 
and uh you know we're dating no ourselves tetsu with these, <laughs> with these facts. <laughs> that's, that's right that's right i mean no internet of course the 20 year olds listening are like what are they talking about <laughs> newspapers <laughs> yeah i remember going through those like line by line and then mm-hmm. trying to figure out what the characters were and reading you know these mangas and yeah and and just sort of slowly began to learn to read i never you absorbed it I, yeah yeah it's just osmosis i guess mm-hmm. um i mean all this is very well aligned with what stephen Krashen, you know this big professor yep uh who came up with the theory called comprehensible input mm-hmm. uh you know what he says you know you yeah. just basically read and and if you're interested you're going to figure it out uh right. and it's all content based rather than grammar based Mm-hmm. So if you're interested in the content, you will eventually develop, you know, linguistic abilities to, to, to yeah, comprehend. So I mentioned I, that, his theory on one. I don't remember which really? episode, okay. but the comprehensible input plus one, where it's just a little bit over your level. There you go. And, yeah, we there talked you go. So, I'll, I mean, I, I, of course, I didn't know Krashen or anybody. <laughs> I mean, right. any linguistic uh, knowledge. But, mm-hmm. you know, if I reflect back on how I learned some of the languages I learned in my life, that all that makes perfect sense mm-hmm. so so where was i so that's that's japanese mandarin japanese english and then mm-hmm. i came to quebec where i live right now when i was 13 oh. and uh here the, the official language is french and i went to a french high school i mm-hmm. mean talk about going into the deep end <laughs> so you right didn't away. know any french when no, you arrived well, I, I knew two words we oui and no <laughs> uh, every question that was thrown my way, I answered with we oui or no, uh, mm-hmm. randomly, I guess. <laughs> uh, didn't work too well when they asked me, oh, how old are you? And right. What's your name? <laughs> where are you from? And <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I, I still remember vividly, you know, the first class with the French teacher who's been, you know, who's like asking me to present, you know, give um, a little introduction in French yeah. and I'm... I'm I'm trying to babble something, yeah. Because I arrived at the at the beginning of August, so mm. I did have a few weeks, like three weeks before school started. It's not much, <laughs> not much time. Well, but... Enough to, to learn to babble a few words, mm-hmm. but uh, under I, pressure, yeah. Yeah, you learn you learn quickly. There's you know there's just no other way. Right. And and I did, and it was I, all I can remember is a lot of fun. Uh, mm. Canada was a you know, very welcoming, and yeah. uh, the, the, all the winter sports. Mm. I mean, uh, I, I love winter sports. Growing up in Taiwan, you just sort of think you're not genetically made for this kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I see all your skating. posts of snowboarding. Yeah, your kids exactly. do amazing stuff. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. So, all that was was just, you know, it, it, all that really outweighed the the. The, the the obstacles the, the the perceived obstacles that others could you know sort of you know, would see yeah. I guess you know you, oh how's how is it possible to put your kid in a in a completely foreign environment like that and without even knowing the language and whatnot because mm. I came here alone to you did to, yeah my parents stayed back in Taiwan what? I came here alone to to study and uh, I had a an aunt, so my father's youngest uh, sister mm-hmm. married a Quebecer. Okay. So she left. She had been living in Quebec for I don't know, 20 years or so by then. Mm. And I came to live with her. I mean, I had never met her, but she was. Wow. You know, She's family. Wow. She's family. So, so I stayed <laughs> with her for the first year, and then from the second year on. I was at the boarding school, so in Quebec we have a system. Three years of high school, well, mm-hmm. five years of high school. It's like junior high, three years, and two years of, of high school. And then you mm-hmm. have a system called CEGEP, which is two years mm-hmm. for university. And mm-hmm. if you go through CEGEP, you go to three years of university. So the math works out. At the end of university, it's the same as you know most systems in the world, uh, where you graduate around 22 years old or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I came in here and I stayed with my aunt. And, and her family, and, mm. and the rest is history. And you didn't feel homesick for either Taiwan I, or Japan? No, or... Not really. Not wow. really. It's, mm. I don't know, is it an attitude thing? Is it a personality thing? I just had so much fun. 
you enjoyed the adventure. That's good. Exactly. And、um, how about English in Quebec? Just because I'm curious.、Um, mm -hmm. We're about to move there, and my husband、okay. speaks some French, but not too much. Like, how easy is it to to if you like when you first were moved?、Uh, you first I, I moved. Would, I would say、English. it really depends on where you where you go to.、Mm -hmm. So if you if you go to Montreal, the big big towns, Montreal,、yeah. and you know, well actually. Montreal. <laughs> go to Montreal.、Um, your English will be very、uh, useful and well understood, pretty、mm. much everywhere on the island.、Uh, but if you go outside of Montreal, then the further you go, the less people will understand.、Mm -hmm. If you go to somewhere like Saint Jean, which is like three, four hours north of Quebec City,、mm -hmm. then you're really gonna. There's no way. Yeah, yeah. it's gonna be really hard to find somebody who speaks you know, any level of English. Mm -hmm. So it really depends. It、yeah. really depends. Although I would say that lots of Quebecers now are sort of conscious of the fact that they need to, you know, more and more they need to have English in in their、mm -hmm. uh, curriculum, I guess, curriculum vitae to to really、yeah. work and and have a have a good future. So many kids are starting to embrace the bilingual educations and, and、mm -hmm. whatnot. So yeah, I'm not too worried because we're in. Ottawa area, so、yeah. we're in get we're in get you know, so my husband can、mm -hmm. just cross over to Ontario. Yeah, he's feeling. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, well, if you're in Gatineau or Hull, or, you、mm -hmm. know, there's many people there who came from Ottawa, or, exactly. You know, and who who are conscious of the fact that you know it is a bilingual country,、yep. after all, and they have many friends from Ottawa, and you know, Ottawa is, I would say, perfectly bilingual, which is so cool. Yeah, yeah, so. That's、uh, that's that's where I am in terms of.、Language. I think we're missing one language. That's part、yeah. of your family. Hang on, where was I? So I have English. I told I told you about English, Japanese, Mandarin, Mandarin French. French, and I learned Spanish、mm -hmm. um, when I was about eighteen. I went to I I was going on a trip to Ecuador,、mm. and I had a you know my my good friend. Was、uh, doing a one-year exchange in Ecuador, and I thought, you know, I'll go visit. And、nice. then I figured, if I'm going to go visit, I might as well learn the local language.、Mm -hmm. And I found out that it was Spanish. And、uh, without knowing too much, I just bought a little guidebook,、yep. which had some, you know, some phrases here and there, and a little, you know, very basic grammar. I, I went through that thing, and I went down to to Ecuador, and I and I found out that I could sort of understand, but I couldn't speak. Mm -hmm. um, and over two weeks、uh, in Ecuador, I just, I just sort of blabbered and and talked to, you know,、uh, locals, especially the the grandpas, grandmas who, who had、mm -hmm. time to to talk to me,、Aww. and somehow somehow made it work. And, yeah. And I've been in that、really、situation where you're、yeah. understand you you understand like most of、mm -hmm. what they're saying you can nod、yeah. along and like they'll happily、yeah. keep talking to you and you're、exactly. like yeah I, I think I get what you're saying keep going yeah, keep going. yeah. <laughs> that was me with、yeah. Polish for many years with my mother-in-law.、Uh, well, I, I, I would I would assume Polish is going to be much harder than Spanish. <laughs> right, for, but I've been、uh, in that situation、speaker. with many、oh, right. many languages where you're you <laughs> just kind of beginning to understand, but yeah. You don't have to say to much、me. to keep the conversation going.、Uh -huh. You just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then something just strange happened on on my way back because、uh, in those days I I could I really decided late, so I couldn't get any flights、mm. uh, or flights with a at a reasonable price to go down to Ecuador. So、uh, my the travel agent, I mean travel agent in those days. <laughs> Uh, arranged a, a, a wicked trip where I took the train all the way down for, you know, to Miami from、uh, from Montreal. Wow! That's, uh, yeah, that's like a forty-eight hour ride one way. Oh my god! And then on the way back, another forty-eight hours from、uh, from、oh, Miami、god. to to Montreal. <laughs> hey, I, I didn't、it's、have、possible. money, but I had time. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and and on the way back, I remember, you know. Talking to people, going up from Miami. I mean, there's lots of Cubans there, and、mm -hmm. many people、mm -hmm. who speak Spanish. And in the train, I just, you know, oh, I would overhear some some conversations and just jump in and sort of start talking to people.、And、you must somehow, be an extrovert just, like me. I I am an extrovert. Extrovert. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, all the introverts yeah, listening are cringing with fear. How could you do that? <laughs> but yeah, I totally uh, do that. Yeah. That's... And 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 things just started flowing. And then when I got back, I went to uh, the Ottawa University Spanish Club, my students' association, something like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, made friends there, Venezuelan friends, uh, uh, many Latino Mexican friends, and and just partied with them, and, and my Spanish just grew stronger and stronger, and and before you know it, I was I was you know picking up gigs as an interpreter uh, in Spanish wow. and, and whatnot. So look at that, that's great. <laughs> so those are the five languages that I would you know consider fluent. You know, okay, myself, I have fluent. a question. <clears throat> That wasn't a prepared question, but mm. um, this just because you mentioned different, um, you've been, you know, different places with Spanish. So like Ecuador, yep. you, Cubans, yep. Venezuelans, do you, and I know you have, um, you have contact with uh, people from Mexico. So like, do uh, you mm, feel like you mm. have one accent or do you feel like your Spanish is like a mix? People, people <laughs> always say, say I have a Mexican accent. Okay. I've never been to Mexico. That's the, that's the funny part. Oh, that's, but, uh, <laughs> but I guess my biggest exposure is to Mexican Spanish because, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the sheer number of Mexicans here in Quebec, most yeah. of my friends were Mexican. And mm-hmm. uh, also when I was in at the university, I, I was watching, you know, these Mexican channels and yep. most of them are. Most uh, of them are Mexican. Yep. Yeah. So like Univision and, and <laughs> Jorge Ortiz de Pinedo and mm-hmm. all these guys are, they're all Mexicans. Right. So I, I guess that's, you know, without really knowing it, that's I picked up the accent and, and sort of the vocabulary also. Mexicans have a very unique vocabulary within the Spanish uh, mm-hmm. Spanish world. So that, that really sort of labels you <laughs> right yeah, away. That's true. That's the issue I have is there's so many dialects and well, not yeah. even dialects, but just accents and, mm-hmm. you know, words that vary vocabulary. And yeah. I just feel like I don't my Spanish is like such a mix. I feel like I don't have mm-hmm. a specific accent but it's just an interesting because it's such a varied and rich language it is it is and you realize you know by using it that it, it really uh how would i say you, you really pick up these slangs and then you know these intricacies right. of, of the local language that you just cannot find in in, the, in textbooks Right. And then once you know a word, it's hard not to use it. And then That's people right. label you as like, oh, you know this word there from this country. <laughs> For and, sure. And if, yeah. And, it, and once you use that kind of vocabulary, it's easier for you to like integrate into the, the social circles sure. quickly. You know, people sort of see you as as their own mm-hmm. right away, even though they I mean, they obviously know you're not. But yeah, but, it, but they at least like they know you have a certain level. And, yeah. And that yeah. Closeness that, you, that bond that you build right away. Mm-hmm, which is super important. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Uh, speaking of that, all right, how do you maintain your family harmony with all of these languages? You have these five mm-hmm. languages in your house with yep. how many kids? <laughs> so, so, so yeah, let's, let's go to the kids. Yes, these tell five us. languages, like I said, I, I, I consider are very important in my life, so mm-hmm. which is by why they became very strong. And I want, and before my, my kids were born, I, I always knew that I wanted to raise them in these languages. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, it's, a, it's a big puzzle, and uh, I didn't believe in myself doing all five languages, you know, mm. by myself. Uh, I, I know I grew up in, in different languages, and that's always because I spoke to different people in different languages. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the strategy that made sense to me was to build in an environment for, for my kids to speak different languages to different people and later I found out that this this is actually a, a validated method uh, mm-hmm. you know that's a well-known method called opal one person one language or one parent one language mm-hmm. uh, but I didn't know that when I had my first kid <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, I just I just jumped into it because it's, it's just how I was raised and I knew how I knew that that it worked yeah so, and I think that's a good point because I think a lot of us even people listening might have, you know, older kids that are like four and they're like just starting this journey and they're like, I didn't even know this existed. And I know mm-hmm. um, Yoshito yeah. said it as well. He's like, I didn't even know there were more methods than just Opal. And, you know, it's <laughs> yeah, fine. Exactly. It's, it's okay. Whenever you oh. learn these things, you know, it doesn't matter if you didn't know it when your child right. was in utero. It's, it's all and, good. And, and it doesn't have to be one size fits all. 
Exactly. Right. The more tools you have, you know, the the, the, the better castle you can build. I I, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's a situation where you can use one method over another, uh, and everybody's different, and you know, in your life circumstances. So. Exactly. Yeah, and, and also in terms of objectives, right? Mm-hmm. I. You know, I want my my kids to really get to a very high level in in these five languages. Uh, you know, I'm not about collecting you know lots of languages, uh, you know, for fun. It, I mean, it is kind of for fun, but it, mm-hmm. it's it's for me. It's it's to you know arm my kids with uh, very marketable skills mm-hmm. that they can use later in life, or marketable or useful skills right. that can be applicable to any career. Uh, there's uh, there's no career that I can think of where you don't need where you don't need you know communication skills mm-hmm. and uh, the more languages and the better you speak these languages uh, the better chances you have I think you know yeah and I mean these are like the top languages we're talking yeah. about some of the major top top ten top five yeah exactly English Spanish Mandarin I mean yeah mm-hmm. French and they're is very like... and they're very different too they cover right. very different markets. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's not like English, French, uh, you know, Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian, where you, they're big right. languages, but they're all concentrated in Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. So I've got I've got Asia, and I've got North, uh, South America, and and Europe. And Africa with French mm-hmm. and English. There you go. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if I were greedy, I'd go with uh, I'd, I'd add Russian and, and Arabic. And Arabic. Yep. I was gonna right? say. But uh, no. Now, these five have, you know, strong relevance in our daily lives. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and five's enough. <laughs> I agree. I, I, agree. Um, I, I have, you know, tried to learn languages like, like Italian and German and Portuguese mm-hmm. on my own. But, uh, you know, so I, I didn't put those in the mix. Yeah. Uh, and your kids can do that as well. You exactly. know, one if of your kids to... might want to do Russian and one of them yeah, might want to do Arabic. They want to do it later. Right. No, by all means, I'll, I'll be very supportive. Mm-hmm. But what I can, uh, you know, create as an environment for them, uh, it, it's this is kind of the limit. <laughs> it's a very so, big. Well... I wouldn't worry. <laughs> You're not depriving your kids of anything. <laughs> so what we do is, uh, again, the main main strategy is opal so one person one language i speak mandarin to the kids uh, pretty much exclusively and when i say exclusively it doesn't mean i don't speak other languages in front of them or anything but mm-hmm. but uh that's that's the language of communication uh between myself and the kids automatic you know, mm-hmm. whatever language they're speaking with other people if they turn around and talk to me it's automatically mandarin mm-hmm. and the same goes for japanese with my wife uh, and in the house, I have my, my parents, so they also speak Mandarin with grandpa and oh, good. Japanese with grandma. Mm, okay. Perfect. And then living in Quebec, they go to school uh, naturally in, in French. Mm-hmm. So that's their educational language. And, and then they, and living in Quebec or in Canada, you know, English is, you know, present. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of sources for English. Uh, including obviously turn on t- turn on the TV and, and most yep. of most of what they watch or almost everything that they watch is in English when the, when we're here in in Quebec mm-hmm. and then they uh, uh, they some for certain activities where we need a coach like uh, like horseback riding or, or skating coach or you know if we can we'll go we'll go out of our way to find a coach who's perfectly bilingual or who's actually an anglophone and uh-huh. uh, get them to speak only English with the kids. Mm. Yeah, so give English, it a little bit more because French yeah. is, yeah, dominant and, school language. Yeah. That makes and, sense. And also, you know, that's that's pretty much all that we do for English. No, no, I, I was, I was more keen on getting them to do a lot more English when, you know, earlier. Mm-hmm. But then I figured, you know, I think English. They'll, they'll have enough exposure through various means uh, yeah. as they grow up. So uh, maybe I should focus on something that's more difficult, like like Mandarin, for example. Mm-hmm. And do they have yeah. English as a second language later in school in Quebec? Like when do they start? They Well, they do language? it now, but it's very, 
very simple stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, starting, I think, in fifth grade, where they really strengthened the English program. Yeah. Uh, but for me, that's that's just way too late. So. Yeah. <clears throat> I, that's what we do in the U.S. too. It's around 10, 11 years mm-hmm. old. Yeah. So. <laughs> right after so that I'm window. Not, <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, I'm not counting on that at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fifth language, so Spanish. Uh, here's a, a. I think this is the one that's really one that we go out of our way to do a very artificial way of creating this environment mm-hmm. and that is to bring in uh, what is called au pairs mm-hmm. these are uh, it's basically a live-in nanny mm-hmm. and we bring them in from mexico so they and how long do they stay uh, anywhere from six to twelve uh, eight uh, what's the longest 18 months or 15 months i think was the longest one time stay Mm-hmm. I've had au pairs come back. In fact, we we have another we have one that's coming back. Oh. She was with us in 2018 to 2019 for about a year. Wow. And then she was with us earlier this year from January to March before we went to Japan. And then mm-hmm. she's coming back again at the end of August. Uh, oh, that's next, so nice. Uh, next January. So, you know, we we build great relationships and great bonds with these uh these uh, boys and girls. Mhm. And uh, and they take care of our kids in Spanish. Wow. And how do they feel about all the languages? Like, are they intimidated that everybody's kind of like speaking all these languages around them and they don't understand? As in the, the au pairs when they come? Yeah, like, are they coming to Canada to learn French or English? And yeah, then they're so... like, oh, everybody's speaking Mandarin, Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I don't, I don't, you know, keep that as a secret while we're... Uh, you know, doing our interviews, mm-hmm. we, we, we interview them a few times before they come mm-hmm. and uh, explain the, you know, fully transparent on how we are here yeah. uh, and tell them that if you love languages, this is a great place to be. And yes, they their objective is ma- mainly to come here to perfect their uh, their English. Sometimes they, they know some French, so they want to mm-hmm. perfect that. And when they come, uh, the exchange is that they speak exclusively Spanish with the kids mm-hmm. and and the adults will speak English with the with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, that so makes we sense. get the best of both, both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I learned from my first au pair, like the first au pair, uh, I only spoke Spanish with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, 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 we we got her English classes and in French. Did she do French? Yeah, she did French classes also. Uh, but but I figured later I figured why why it, it, you know they're not here t- for, for me Spanish. to practice my Spanish. Uh, and I only you know take out my Spanish when it's something you know more serious. Like mm-hmm. if there's some things uh, some problems. Want to absolutely make sure that they understand. Right. That that's when I take out the Spanish. But otherwise we we make it a habit you know upon arrival and mm-hmm. let them know that you know we'll be speaking english with the adults and spanish with the kids and now that's been working out great we've had eight au pairs so far wow so and we've never had to send any of them back <laughs> that's great and some so, of them are even coming back so that's exactly, good exactly exactly so wow. and I, I we we really focus on making it a win-win making it a, a, a real cultural exchange I uh, want them to go back having their lives changed just as right. much as they changed our kids' lives. So That's such yeah. a great program. Yeah, I've, I've looked into au pairs before just out of curiosity, mm-hmm. like how much does it cost, all that stuff. It's yeah. it's a great program. It is. All for it. What is the hardest part about raising multilingual children and how old are your kids so that parents listening know like how many years experience you have? So... My oldest is just just turned nine in July, and uh, my second is seven, going on eight in December. Mm-hmm. My third is four, going on five in November, and my youngest just turned uh, one in April. Oh my gosh! Already, I feel like she was just uh, born. <laughs> it's it's insane how time flies. Yeah, um, especially this, pandemic time. Ah. Uh, <laughs> like every day is groundhog day you know so yeah it just doesn't well a year has passed (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> mm, right? <laughs> you meant two years. Oh, it's good that oh, we can oh. laugh about it. <laughs> we're not yeah, crying, no. we're laughing. Yep, yep. I mean, yeah, uh, my life hasn't been changed that much given that I work, you know, pretty much on, fully online. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so knock on wood. But I know that, you know, lots of people have has had it much tougher than than us mm -hmm. so so just hoping that we get past this pandemic pandemic as soon as possible right here Anywho. with you yeah mm -hmm. Anywho, so what's so, yeah what's the hardest part about raising these yeah the young adults hard, <laughs> you know i i try to spend a lot of time to make an environment that's you know that's optimized for natural use of languages. So that's where I spend a lot of energy and, and resources on. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, every year we go to Japan and Taiwan in the spring to strengthen their minority languages. Mm -hmm. um, so that, those are things that cost a lot of money. Uh, yeah. it, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a big shift in our work, work style um, and, and, and lifestyle uh, overall. Yeah, it's a huge commitment to do it that. It is. Mm -hmm. It is, and I've had to make big changes in my career to to accommodate uh, mm. this lifestyle. Uh, I, you know, upon getting married, uh, I knew that I had to make big changes to my career, and mm. uh, right away I changed uh, companies when I got married, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, when I had my third kid, I scaled back. I sort of, you know, uh, reduce the working hours, uh, but that's, thankfully, that's good you that know, you could. Yeah, exactly. Thankfully, the company has, you know, lots of, it's very flexible on the, on the work life balance. Uh, that's good. yeah. And my, my boss is very understanding mm -hmm. though. He's always asking, when are you coming back full time? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, about 18 uh, years. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm fully transparent with them. I, I I tell them, you know, this is this is the kind of life that I have right now, and it's, it's, I just don't see uh, going back full time anytime right. soon. So yeah. that that it's a risk. Maybe the company would say, well, then we don't need you. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's a calculated risk. I, I you know I I do make sure that I can survive for for a good two three years with. You know, even right. if I were to be canned tomorrow, <laughs> hopefully not. Knock on wood. Hopefully not. I mean, it's it's been five years that I've been living like this since 2017. So I'm going wow. on five years now. Um, That's great. And uh, so far, so good. Uh, and and it's it's working out. And I'm very grateful mm -hmm. to my my company, and, uh, and and this this lifestyle. I I just can't, you know, can't ask for more. Uh, <laughs> That's great. But like I said, yeah, so th those were kind of the hard parts, not not, you know, the typical obstacles that I see a lot of parents face, which is which is like, you know, kids refusing to, to, to learn the language or mm -hmm. that, that kind of stuff. I, from a language perspective, I don't think I've had it so hard. That's and yeah. I, I sort of feel that it's because we've really done the groundwork and really prepared the, the stage. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, before they were born, all the planning, and after they, they after they they were born, getting every pieces, uh, all the pieces in there, right? And being a, consistent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very sort important of a, part. Create a, a, a smooth running machine, well oiled machine, sort of. Exactly. Speak. That works and for you. Works for them. Exactly. So nobody feels strained. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very very important point. So mm -hmm. we we don't force our kids to to speak a specific language or learn a specific language or to study, mm -hmm. no, God forbid. Uh, yeah, a, a I totally agree. Kids should not have to be sitting doing worksheets. The yeah, they they'll be able to Your do older that later ones. in their life in yeah. their life if they want to. Mm -hmm. uh, and if we do ask them to do certain you know drills and exercises, uh, it's. You know, it, when we do do that, it's it's we try to make it as fun as possible. Mm -hmm. you know, gamify it. Yep. Uh, and, yeah, like uh, uh, Yoshito's new book has all those there you ideas. Go. That's yeah. right. That's There's right. There's ways to do it. Gamify that are n good for kids, uh, that are enjoyable yeah. for kids. Give yeah. them give them goals and objectives 
Uh, and sometimes you bribe them. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like all it's good. Not a, yep. <laughs> not a sustainable method, but you know, sometimes you, you can. It's we've been, okay. we've all been there. Oh yeah. yeah. It's okay. Yep. So love it. Love the again, honesty. Like I, say, those, I, I don't feel that those are the you know difficulties that we face. It's it's really thinking about how do we you know create an environment where they can use these languages consistently, mm -hmm. and um, and the answers were you know Opal and then also with uh, the Opairs and also with uh, you know going to Japan and Taiwan for four months of the year. Yeah, that must really solidify it because it's yeah. so much more real. And I think you've mentioned your kids actually are in school in Japan because they're still mm -hmm. on in school uh, when you guys are over there. Correct. The school year in Japan starts in April. Mm -hmm. So we try to go there before the end of April so they could sort of get in at the beginning and, yeah. at the beginning and make friends right away. And oh, then we go there yeah. every year, same place, same school. So everybody, mm. you know, everybody knows each other. They they're not going to a completely foreign environment every year. Uh, so they're used. I, to I don't know how you balance that. They go for a short time. Like the school mm -hmm. is okay with it. The school is okay with that because so cool. uh, they're Japanese citizens, so mm. they have the right to go. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah, because my wife keeps her uh, uh, her <laughs> registration. <laughs> The family registration is still there. The yeah, the the residency. There's a house mm -hmm. there where you know she, so she keeps her residency there. Yeah. So, so she pays taxes. And, yes. Okay. And, and then the kids have the right to go. And why wouldn't they want you know, Japanese yeah. like these little uh, Japanese uh, yeah. kids? Of course, we want you to come learn Japanese. You're living in a foreign country. Come learn. Every year, uh, at the end of our stay, I send out a little questionnaire to the teachers to ask mm -hmm. them, you know, uh, what were their, you know, thoughts on our kids being there, and and you know, how how they see these, you know, uh, quote unquote foreign kids, right. uh, and and it's always very positive. They're, they're always happy to have our kids. They say they have a positive, you know influence on the on the locals yeah uh they're very outgoing they make friends right away and those are the kind of feedback that really you know warms my heart mm -hmm. you know? makes it all worth uh, it yeah exactly exactly and and i don't talk about academics i never talk about what grades they got it's just it just doesn't matter right. for me um, at this point in in time uh i've I much preferred the teacher tell me that you know a good feedback that i love is that they're very adaptable Mm -hmm. uh, they come in and and they just fit in like a local kid and mm -hmm. that is worth gold to me mm -hmm. you know? yeah they're, they can go anywhere with that skill that's, that's right they're you know they're not shy they're not getting bullied you know or god forbid yeah. they're not bullying others yes right, <laughs> right? that would be worse so so fitting in is is a, is a tremendous sign of mastery of of their language and culture so and that goes back to what you and i were talking about when we said you know speaking spanish with a certain you know accent yeah. or with certain words you fit in and you kind of that's there's right. that whole sense of yeah community and belonging that's right and that's what languages can give us even if we're not native speakers um you can still feel like you fit in and i i feel that with polish now um i feel that with mm -hmm. french um i just think it is such a such a wonderful feeling to have and to have your kids already experiencing it at such a young age. That's so mm -hmm. cool. And it's part of their culture. It's even more important for them because they are Japanese. Um, That's right. That's right. So, well, unfortunately, last year and this year, well, fortunately and unfortunately, I guess, um, the, the, the good part is, you know, due to COVID, they have been staying in Japan for extended periods of time. Last year, uh -huh. five months. This year, another four and a half months. Wow. Uh, so they're Japanese. I think at the current time is probably their strongest language, mm -hmm. which is funny because you know, they don't spend that much time uh, of the year. But last, just because of last year and this year, it just went through the roof. Um, and so all their, cool. their you know, deepest expressions, uh, mm -hmm. they do it in Japanese. Uh, mm -hmm. more than French, which is wow. their education language. Yeah. Um, but that's going to, you know, it, it's going to change throughout yeah. their whole lives. You know, I, I see that. I expect, it, I expect that to change mm -hmm. uh, as, you know, things get more and more complex, you know, more difficult notions and, you know, thought process. 
They, it will probably change later too. Just too depending, much. yeah, where they stay. Mm -hmm. How long do yeah. they usually stay in Japan? How long is your trip usually? Usually it's two months in Japan, two months in Taiwan. Oh, wow. So, so now <laughs> the Mandarin has, you know, taken the back seat. Mm. And uh, so we're trying to uh, sort of complement that with, uh, with, with, with lots of courses, with lots of courses in, on italki, these one-on-one mm. -on -one courses uh, <laughs> on online platforms. Mm -hmm. So the one that we chose is italki, which I know very well. And basically, it's just a you know matching system with for tutors and and language students, mm -hmm. uh, but of any age, have, right? Yeah of, yeah, of any age. Usually, it's for adults, but uh, we were able to find a few teachers who were very good with kids, mm -hmm. and we've been with them uh, two two specifically since uh, now, well, over a year now. Wow. And uh, the kids love the teachers so much that they fight over who's going first, who's who's doing more time, you know, whose turn is it today? And Aww. so that's so the that's, bilingual parents' dream: is having is. the kids fight to use the language. Yeah, <laughs> that's it's not great. like oh, not another course. Or that I don't want to do this. You know? Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's they 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 fight over it, and and it's great. So we just load up the schedule with that, and and. It's mm. kind of almost like a virtual nanny. <laughs> yes, sense. true, true. Right? Especially with hour. the older ones that can actually sit and focus. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, they're learning lots of stuff that, you know, that are not natural with me. Like I don't sit down with them to read a text or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this teacher would. Uh, in exchange, they get, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of, of Roblox or other games. <laughs> And, uh, Perfect. Yeah. So, so that's been working out wonderfully. Uh, we also go out and hire uh, nannies when we're in Japan. We had a Chinese girl wow. with us uh, this past uh, two months. Mm -hmm. oh, she was amazing, and and uh, a diff little bit of a you know different accent, different uh, vocabulary slightly, mm -hmm. but the kids you know, got used to her very quickly. And uh, after that, it was just lots of playing and, and spending time together. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I think yeah. the more people that they have contact with, it's just, you know, like you said, it's something you maybe wouldn't do with them. But I feel that way with, you know, my mom just she reads things differently. Even if it's the same book, she's going to point yeah. out different things. And That's I, right. I just think the more people that they have that speak these languages, the more enriched that their yeah. their life is going to be, that they're, they're, you know, their vocabulary, just everything. It's such a. I feel like you can't go wrong by adding another person yeah. <laughs> who can speak and, to them. And I, I think it's important that you were talking about kind of balancing that you're seeing that Japanese is stronger. Okay. Yeah. So I need to balance this. You know, you just have to, it's like, we're constantly gauging how it's going and what do we need to change? You know, not right. maybe minutia, like not day to day, mm -hmm. but like, okay, maybe next month we should do more of this or just depending on how life is, you know, we're out of school now. Are we, you know, just what's happening. Um, yeah. I think that's an important yeah. part. It's not, this static thing that people think about like, oh, we just do Opal and mom speaks German and dad speaks Spanish and that's it. Like, no, <laughs> it's I, not I cannot, that. I cannot agree more. Cause that's yeah. a very flat two dimensional. You, and I feel like it's have, so much more complex. You have to be gauging the situation constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and each kid is going to react differently. Like, that's right. You know, my daughter is picking up French so much quicker than my son, but he's going to need it more because he's four and he has okay. one year before he goes to kindergarten over there. So I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, you just, you have to constantly like know your kid, know what works for them. That's right. Yeah. It, it's definitely not a one size fits all. And no. uh, you have to adjust. I mean, the overall, the, the overarching theme can be the same. The, the overall strategy can be the same, but within it, yeah. uh, you've got to make adjustments. So uh, many moving yeah. parts. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. Like this italki thing, there, there's this, this, this class, online class that we were doing. At the beginning, my daughter wasn't so much you know, into it. Mm. And I, we, we sort of didn't know why, uh, but... Uh, after speaking with my mom, uh, she she advised that maybe because Nika is shy in front of everybody, because mm. uh, we had our kids do the le lesson in the living room where everybody's you know around. Ah, yes. And my my son doesn't care. He's like, in he, he goes into his bubble very quickly and you mm -hmm. know, he has no conscience of anybody you know that's around. Uh, right. But but my, my daughter seemed to 
you know, didn't want to say things wrong in front mm-hmm. of, you know, other people. And so we put her into a, a small room by herself with, uh, with my wife uh, there just to support her. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that, you know, that worked really well at the beginning. And then before you know it, she got used to the whole thing. And now, you know, they could, you know, they could do the, the lesson anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, just making so adjustments. adjustments. So. Yeah, micro mm-hmm. adjustments, macro adjustments. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, and the older kids out, get, they can talk to you about it too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'd feel better exactly. doing this. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. hopefully becomes easier. That's my, that's my hope. It is. It, it does get easier as the kids are able to express more complex thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my oldest is now nine and uh, we can get into some pretty deep discussions now. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and something I started recently, I don't know, if it, it's not directly linked to languages, but it mm-hmm. is in a sense that when we talk about multilingual parenting, I, I feel that the emphasis is so much stronger on parenting than multilingual. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, you need to build a strong relationship with your child, uh, build trust mm-hmm. uh, in order for them to really accept everything that you want them to do. Mm. And uh, and so recently what I what I started is a something that I do with my my uh, my, my reporting line, my my support subordinates at, mm-hmm. at the company is so one one uh, mentorship kind of thing. I take about, you know, 20, 30 minutes every two weeks uh, uh, to talk to my my son, just general stuff. Mm. You know, it's not like on the spot scolding and, and, and you know. <laughs> and whatnot it's just just you know like a debriefing weeks, yeah. yeah well what's happening and uh slowly you know i'm thinking about you know getting them getting to him to talk about what he likes in life what mm-hmm. are his strengths his weaknesses i want to know him like well like better and, yeah. and i want to i and i want to create the safe space for him to be able to tell me like deep thoughts mm. uh he's the one-on-one nine. time yeah it's, yeah you can't really a, do that in a bigger situation i feel like no, those have to be very it personal be intimate conversations yeah and it's got to be scheduled like it's that it's that time that you you take out specifically for this discussion mm-hmm. um and and build a habit oh we just started this when he turned nine in, in july so mm-hmm. we've had you know two three sessions so far <laughs> it's great you know and don't, don't want to drag it out over two hours just just 15 yeah. 20 20 minutes a few hugs and and just emphasizing uh-huh. how much you know as parents we we appreciate the kids yeah. uh, and want them to know that they can tell us anything they want in, in life uh, uh, that is such good parenting advice i feel yeah. like this is the golden nugget <laughs> one-on-one time like appreciate your kid yeah. you that you see them that's all kids want they just want to be seen and loved exactly. and appreciated exactly. for who they are and, and tell them what when you know what was really good over the past two weeks like i tell them my my oldest he he likes to tell the, the younger ones how to do this how to do that <laughs> and and you know I, I tell them how i appreciate him teaching the, the younger ones Mm. Uh, these different things uh, but at the same time you, you can sort of let them know that you know this way of saying things is not so effective you could say it this way it's better or, right you know and, kind of uh, coaching <laughs> yeah yeah and and this is this type of bond I think does translate into better language acquisition over time as they you know they, they have less uh, tendency to refuse what you want them to do just right. because you said it <laughs> you know lots lots of kids do this right they they, they refuse something just because the, they were told to do, mm-hmm. to do oh yeah yeah so, and you get into a battle for sure exactly so you know we i think have that's battles. a great point yeah I, just I that have, parenting has to come first i think if absolutely. we're only focused on the languages and not you know then you become a teacher but you need that's to be a parent right. first yeah that's you need to really right. focus on being a parent using the language in your parenting correct but um yeah i think and there's there is like a fine line where i know a lot of people talk about the emotional like um if they're using a non-native language like Mm. me like me using polish like well how can you connect on an emotional level and i think that depends on your level of speaking in the language 
Yeah, but, depends on the you know, kids, uh, age also. And the kids also when you started mm. speaking with them in that language. And I do think, you know, we have to take that into an account that you you do need to do what's best for your relationship before you're yeah. doing what's best for their absolutely. academic level in a language. That's not a the goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to fall in that pitfall of really focusing on on academic performance in, in exactly. the language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fully agree. Fully agree. Mm -hmm. Any uh, best parts about being a multilingual parent or just things that you, you know, love to see, well, like your kids well, playing or teaching each other? Well, seeing them progress, seeing them connect uh, mm -hmm. with their roots, you know, understanding and, and really cherishing their roots is, is amazing. Uh, and I think they can do that because they can connect with our extended family members their cousins, you know, grandpa, grandma, mm -hmm. uh, you know, directly in their language. So it's a heart-to-heart -heart connection that, that can be made more easily, I think. Yep. Uh, so that that is, all, just that is worth all the effort. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, I, I know that with over time, the these skills will get sharpened more and more, and they'll be able to, you know, make friends and colleagues around the world. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, I just look forward to, to seeing more of that. Obviously, when we're in Japan, they have their friends in Japan, Taiwan, mm -hmm. friends in Taiwan, and their cousins and whatnot. They're really having a lot of fun. They're very confident in, mm -hmm. in speaking, using these languages in those relationships. And uh, it, I, I just look forward to seeing that solidify more and more. Mm, they really are global citizens. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all this is before even talking about what the actual sort of economic impact that this would have over time mm -hmm. uh, in their life. I mean, that, that, that I'm sure will come, but uh, yeah. underlying, the underlying core uh, is, is the connections that the human connections that they can make mm -hmm. uh, with these languages. Uh, for me, it's, it's worth all the effort and I'm already quite satisfied with what I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. Um, my oldest is nine. My my base case objective is to go have them go through this program until they're ten. Mm. So that's sort of my base case objective. That's next year. Wow. So I'm almost there with my yeah. oldest. Uh, I do hope that we can continue this until they're twelve. Mm -hmm. That's you know when they graduate elementary school. That's when I left Taiwan, mm -hmm. and that's where I got cut off from Mandarin. Uh, almost completely mm. uh, e even though i had my aunt in quebec mm -hmm. but i didn't speak mandarin at all with her it was always french oh wow so so i spoke almost zero mandarin for about 17 years when i came to to, to quebec oh my gosh but I, still, but I still had you know had the mandarin in me because i acquired this language when i was young and right. that's what i'm hoping to to do for my kids you know to get them you know get these five languages deeply mm -hmm. integrated into their dna by the time they graduate from from elementary school and yeah the research that, we'll, we'll says the research does say something about like early adolescence you at least need to have because there are cases where people leave a country around six and they don't remember exactly. you know it, it, yeah so it, it has to be at least until those yeah. those teen tween early yeah. years uh -huh. so that's my, a good goal my, my objective is, is that I'm, I'm almost there with my oldest and I'm already seeing that even if we stop tomorrow, these five languages will be with them forever. Yeah. I, I, That's I, a great I, feeling. It, it is. It is. I, you know, I've sort of achieved my base case before uh, age 10. I, I, he's mm. not going to forget any of these languages. Uh, mm. can get rusty, but it, it, it's going to be there. He's never going to lose them, I don't think. Yeah, that's so cool. So just putting the last nail on, on the coffin, so to speak. <laughs> a terrible analogy to talk about your children. <laughs> For, to, to, to nail away the, the, uh, the package, putting the last ribbon on the package. <laughs> okay, yes, yeah, the cherry on top of the package. <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. People listening are like, what are these sayings? <laughs> but yes, I don't know. I mean, that's sort of, it's a totally normal saying, but geez, just thinking about kids, that's not, not the analogy I want to go to. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But I still have, you know, three more. So <laughs> right. My, you're not out of the woods. Exactly. I, I, I feel that I'm, I'm, 
I'm, I'm there. I see the goal line for my oldest. But and I it's got to it's got to be easier too. I feel like it with each should. kid, the language is more ingrained because the other Indeed. kids are using it. That first, mm -hmm. it's like all on you. Like, okay, I That's have true. to do all the talking and I have to do all the teaching. Yeah. That now you have a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old. They can they could basically watch those other two kids and teach them. <laughs> you know, know, I actually do let you know get them to teach uh, the mm -hmm. younger kids uh, from time to time. Yeah. yeah, and they probably learn better from their siblings, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they definitely look up and listen to them a lot more than us. That's right. Unfortunately, but <laughs> it's just the way of the world. Yeah. Any best tips for parents or even future parents who might be listening that want to raise multilingual kids, maybe not with five languages, that's kind of a big goal, but even yeah. just with bilingual, trilingual. Yeah, I, I think the basic premise is still, it's, it's the same, whether you're learning a second or a fifth language mm -hmm. uh, is to really make you know, create a, a good habits or, or a good environment that you know allows you to create good habits mm -hmm. um, Adam Beck talks about the need need yeah, being one of the or, big you know major yeah, yeah. need or, or uh, crashing would say compelling uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, something that's compelling and exactly. uh, Having a, an au pair, for example, in the house is a compelling reason for the kids to speak Spanish. Right. right? It's, it's not reading grammar books. Exactly. So, or even just watching something passively is not as compelling as a person you have to communicate with because they don't right. have to talk back to mm -hmm. a TV per se, which is why, you know, we don't always say, okay, just put your kid in front of a TV, they'll learn Mandarin. Like, mm -hmm. no, no, they won't, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. There you go. So, so that's, that's like the key word that I always mention when talking to parents, it's, it's habits. How do you create an environment that allows you to create these habits is, you know, depends on your circumstances and right. your resources, but the, the, the main objective is still to set up something where you can just create that habit where you go uh, to one place uh, every day, you know, you, you set up uh, a routine to go to the mm -hmm. gym every day, then you, you do it for three weeks and you build that habit right right uh same thing goes for for languages mm -hmm. uh, something that allows you to do it easily and re repeatedly uh, right. you know sustainable effort um that exactly. that's the biggest mm -hmm. thing that i i focus on mm -hmm. yeah i think that's really wise and where can we find you where can we if people want to get in touch or just want to um watch your youtube channel things like that where can we find you on the internet well, if you Google Ask Tetsu, uh, <laughs> I come up on the first page. So all my all my uh, social media is my handle would be at Ask Tetsu, <laughs> uh, whether it's IG or Twitter or uh, YouTube, uh, Facebook. It's all Ask Tetsu. So find Perfect. me at Ask Tetsu, uh, uh, and even info at asktetsu.com will get emails sent my way. <laughs> Do you have an e you have a website, a the YouTube website channel? The website itself is asktetsu.com. Perfect. And what so. about the Raising Multilinguals? Because I do love that series and I try and so, join as often as I can. Yeah, Raising Multilinguals Live is a project that I started in 2000, well, last year, in 2020. So mm -hmm. it's been a little over a year now with uh, with Rita Rosenbach and Uta Limacher-Riebold. These are two titans, I would say, yes. if I mean for yes. me. They are just huge in the, in the world of raising multilingual children. So it's a tremendous honor for me to, to host this program every two weeks on every uh, first and third Tuesday mm -hmm. of the month. Uh, if you search Raising Multilinguals Live, you'll find us on Facebook and on uh, YouTube. Mm -hmm. So that's Raising Multilinguals Live every first and third Tuesday. Perfect, yes. Wonderful. And you guys also created an Instagram just to keep people updated as well. Right. So if your preferred place of uh, social media is Instagram, you can also yep, be notified when. Yeah. On okay. Instagram, Instagram. I will put Facebook, links. Yeah. And, uh, YouTube. There you go. Yeah. I'll put links to everything we've mentioned so that people Great. can easily just click from the show notes and make it nice and easy for everyone. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Tetsu. It was such an honor and just a pleasure to speak with you because you're just a wonderful person and wonderful right. father and right fellow polyglot. You. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. And well, I hope, uh, yeah, I hope to see you soon at whatever well, next event 
Yeah. Well, you know, reach out uh, when you come over to this side of the, the, soon. the border. Yes, I will be there soon. And I hope to go to Langfest one day in person. That would be very there fun. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. Have a great rest of the day. Okay, you too. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening to my interview with Tetsu. I hope that you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed talking and recording it. I did realize that I forgot to ask Tetsu to teach us a word or a phrase in one or more of his languages, which is unfortunate because that's one of my favorite parts of the interview. Um, but don't worry, those will be back in other episodes. I just forgot with Tetsu. So I will have to have Tetsu come back on as a guest so that we can hear some of the things that he can teach us in Mandarin, Japanese, French, English, or Spanish. We'll see. Have a great week, guys, and we'll be back with another episode soon. Take care.